0: Hey team, welcome back and welcome to episode 42 of Transition Talk where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. So this is a question we get often and a question we are anticipating we will receive much more often in the weeks and months to come. The question is, I own a practice and I have an opportunity to acquire the patient records of a nearby practice that's shutting down or the doctor's retiring, etc., how much should I pay and should I do it? It's a question full of considerations for both the buyer and seller, and today we're going to dive into those in the post-COVID world. Mr. Loretto, how are you?
1: Live in the flesh.
0: <laughs> it's I, amazing. I can see you. I can,
1: we're like close to six feet away. Yeah, but, here, uh,
0: we've sanitized a lot. Yes. All families are nervous, but I, for one, could not have been happier to get in my car yeah. By myself. Yes. Drive. It was like literally like yelling out the door, see you later.
1: It's amazing. <laughs> no kids, no dog no training. No
0: kids, no yeah. dogs, no husband. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it was great. How have you been?
1: Doing good. We had our first restaurant experience in about mm-hmm. two months yesterday. So Roxanne and I, we love the Mexican food. We love the margarita. So we did a little side gate yesterday. They recognized us and everybody's got their mask on and we had our little dinner and then we cleaned. You know, it was, it's just, it's different. It's So, do
0: people keep the mask on in the middle of eating? Like, would they like pull it down for every bite? Like, what happens? Like, this is something I've really thought about.
1: Yeah, the same thing I was thinking about on on the airplane. You know, what's it going to be like if you're on the airplane? Because you know, I I like to sit in the front. You know, I usually have a little drink, (laughs) have a little food. Am I going to put my mask down to eat? I mean, how's that going to work? I know
0: there's like a whole new world we're going to have to figure out how to navigate.
1: No, all, all the customers did not have the mask all of the workers have oh, the mask. It, as
0: they should, Yes, right? you can't... People got to protect themselves. With
1: the, with the chips and salsa, I mean, you got to get after that. <laughs> There's no time to have a mask on. So. Oh, it's nice
0: to have a little lighthearted. I, I know. Bell,
1: I this know. Well,
0: I'm excited to be here. We have a good topic today. Yeah. And this is a great idea you had. We've definitely got this question before all the crazy and COVID and all the practices kind of that might or might not be opening their doors again. And we've answered it before, but I think it will become more relevant now. Definitely. Um, and even if not, I mean, there's always the opportunity, especially for if you buy a smaller practice and there's only one or two other providers and, you know, to scoop that up and and gain some market share. So why would you do this? I think the perfect thing is, to let's use an example Yes. and let's talk about it. And then we'll kind of go from there and talk about risk and valuation and all that. So you had a good one that we were talking about. So what's our example that we can kind of expound on today? Yeah.
1: So this is the numbers part. So bear with me. I want to give you two examples to really kind of think about. And one I think is very common. You've got maybe it's a six or 700 collection practice and the guy down the street, perhaps in this example, is older and it's a 400 kind of collection practice. It's really outdated, old equipment, old everything. But he's not coming back. And I think this is going to be really, really common in the coming months and who knows in the coming year. These are these mid-70s, 80-year-old, maybe his late 80 doctors, Mm -hmm. and they're just not coming back. It's not because they don't feel like it. I think it's probably because their kids are saying, hey... Dad, you know you're not coming back. You typically don't see women at that age. No, (laughs) women know when to, to give it up. Yep. So let's look at the numbers. And so you have to kind of revert back to the whole Nancy Drew episode as well. But remember, a lot of times in lecture, I'll talk about why is it important as owning a business to understand the number of active patients. Number of active patients will typically dictate the collections, and typically dictate how much you make. So if let's play with you own a practice and it does 700 collections. So what is it going to make? More than likely, it's going to make around $250,000. You're not quite as efficient as you could be with your kind of direct and fixed costs. You're kind of busy, but you're not like super busy. So some missed appointments, some assistants maybe not just running around with their head cut off and then fixed costs are just fixed costs. So you make around 250. We know that practices that are up in that million dollar range, you're typically netting around 45% with good overhead because we have that leverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's our kind of our backdrop. So if you did buy the practice down the street and it was uh, doing 400, the question is how much would you pay? And then what value would it Add to you. So in this example, we have to think about what and how many charts is in a 400 collection practice. A general rule for every million dollars of collections, there's somewhere in this neighborhood of active patients that have been seen, somewhere 16, 1,700 to 2,000 active patients is kind of a solid number to work with. So a 400 collection practice should be around 40% of that. So in this example, somewhere between six to maybe 700 active charts in that 400 collection practice. So if we were to pay for that, then we would put that 400 collection practice inside our practice. So now we're not doing 700, we're doing 1.1. And we'll talk about if that realistic, that Mm -hmm. is the 400 all come in or not. So that's a whole nother question, but let's just assume it does. So now my 700 business goes to 1.1. The question is, how much profit am I going to make? Because I was making two fifty on my seven hundred. How much would I make now on the one one? And I believe that number is about five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So now all of a sudden, you're going to take your income from two fifty to five hundred because you bought something at very low price that was doing four hundred collections. So here's my math and my thought process behind it. I layer the four hundred on top of my seven hundred. What is going to be my cost? I'm definitely going to have my direct cost of lab supply, dental supplies and office supplies, maybe some credit card merchant services, that number is gonna be somewhere around 15, 16, 17%. So I've got at least a sixty dollars to 70000 dollars spend already just by moving the production over. I'm probably gonna need another full-time assistant, and I'll probably need to pick up maybe a part-time hygienist. Mm-hmm. So I started adding those things in. And remember, I got fixed cost, it's already fixed. Yep. So this is just gravy. That's where I start playing with this math. And out of the 400, I'm able to see that even if I take my costs up to 150, I'm able to net 250, the 250 on top, top of my other 250 I was on the 700 I make 500 grand now Yep. okay so that's the math and then the question is where are we going to pay for this so let's kind of go back remember I'm a big picture guy does this make sense can you do the work I want to make sure you can do the work what are you going to pay for it? and then how much are you going to net so that's scenario one scenario two is I've got a million one practice I'm doing really well. Maybe I'm making the 500. And the guy down the street, same scenario. And he's got the 400 collection practice, but maybe I can't do that. Maybe I can't pick up the third hygiene day, or maybe I can't do all the work, but it is something that's for sale. So then as a business, you know, kind of entrepreneur, I had this opportunity to do this. And this is a great I've yet to see these things being purchased that someone just regrets. These are really good opportunities. So we do this. We can't do the work. So what does that scream? That screams associate. Yep. So we buy it. We grow it. Maybe bring the associate in. The associate maybe look at this practice and say, hey, it's all outdated. It's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. I'd have to buy it. You know, I have to put hundred thousand dollars $400,000. It may not make sense to that young buyer. Yeah. Okay. You're going to buy something really old. It's only doing 400 collections. Maybe you're going to have to put three, four $400,000 of equipment in there. There may be another practice down the street that you can just buy outright. So that's the part of the thought process of the young person is I don't know if I should do that or not. The established doctors that just buys the charts no-brainer that we're going to jump in here. So anyway, it's exciting because to me, it's an opportunity. You look at just the demographics that we have in dentistry and to be able to see this older patient base that's actually doing this, I would say for the most part for fun, Mm -hmm. there's going to be huge opportunities for the investor, the younger person or somebody established to basically help and assist that older doctor with taking over the patients. Yeah. So that's of, our big
0: picture we are talking yeah, about. Yeah, and a lot of times those practices, as an owner, you're already in the area, you don't want someone else to come in there and buy that and now be your competition and exactly. grow it and update it and now they're your competition. It's not far enough away. You don't want to put your own patient base by buying the office in total. So that's where those patient base happen. And as a seller, if my option is to shut my doors and walk away, right? If that's kind of where they're at, which I've talked to at least five more established senior doctors who are saying that, right? When this is over, I'm just done. It's either shown me that I'm done or my health and my kids won't let me go back and it's not worth the risk to me. And so I'm just going to shut my doors. Something is better than nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Selling these patient records to someone, transferring your patients over to someone who's kind of nearby, that's just going to be the best bet, but there absolutely are risk here. So let's mm-hmm. talk about those. For sure. So, Number one risk that the patients don't transfer. Yep. I think that if you're already established and in the area, the senior doctor, there's a few ways we can mitigate that, and we'll talk about that. But that's clearly the number one kind of risk that we hear is, how do I know the patients are going to show up? And we'll talk about how to mitigate that in one second. The second risk is that you overpay because you don't know how much to pay per record or you pay for too many records, right? And so there's a couple ways to do this. One, I would say, tell me if you disagree, I would say average... 75 to 125 per patient record.
1: Yep, very, very common. That's been a number in dentistry for for years. In my 20 years, that, that's a number that you'll see is kind of a going number.
0: Okay, what makes it, in your opinion, worth paying more or less than kind of that range or kind of what makes you go to the top end of the range versus the bottom?
1: Well, the first thing is from a buyer perspective, if I think about it and let's say the, the practice is next door, is I want to think about the perfect scenario where I'm willing to pay more. So it's next door, Maybe I have an inactive patient base of three or 4,000. This guy has been around for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I get the inactive patients as well that I can go and market to. When I buy the practice, I'm going to make sure, part of my mitigating the risk, that my senior doctor and I, we take a picture together, Mm -hmm. uh, something that is telling a story of why Charles is the guy that is going to be taking care of you from this point forward. So I want to be able to to look at the active patients that we do our chart audit on, And I can determine what those activation numbers are, and I can also look inside those records. Mm -hmm. So inside those records are now going to really tell me about the opportunity. It could be that this guy is referring out, you know, all the procedures that you do, you know, from endo to surgery, implants, you know, really fill in the Mm -hmm. blank. A lot of just general bread and butter dentistry and a lot of undiagnosed dentistry. And through this audit process, you can see it so... Yeah, the guy is only doing 400 collections, but you can easily see how this is maybe a 600, 700 collections. Mm-hmm. You know the guy in this example. Mm-hmm. You've got a relationship with him. He's got one or two people that work for him that you love, that mm-hmm. like this will be great assets. And they're like almost pitching you, please help me. Right. And, and then that person wants the job. So it's that, Christy, that, I, that I'd look at and look who gives a crap if we pay 150. Yeah. 175. Okay. If I pay an additional fifty dollars a chart and there's six hundred thirty thousand, mm-hmm. okay. You know, yeah. if I can see the dentistry that's there, I can get a great team member that's really gonna grow my practice and really transform me from not sitting around any longer but to really be busy and cranking. I'm willing to pay a little bit for that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the key is not getting caught up in the number. Again, this goes back to transitions in general. Don't get caught up on the price. Know what you're buying, Mm -hmm. right? If you can do all of those things, what you've done is mitigate the risk of overpaying if you've done the chart on it and you've looked at procedures and you've understood kind of what's there. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that people worry about is how to transition them. And you kind of touched on that as well. If we're transitioning just the patient records, especially in this scenario, right, we've been closed for COVID for however long we reopen and the senior doctor's not coming back and you're buying the charts, you know, what's the story there? Well, there's Mm -hmm. clearly a pretty easy story Mm -hmm. in that situation. And so making sure that that senior doctor is writing the letter, you're taking the picture together, transferring them, over, if he's comfortable coming back, kind of doing right. some kind of open house or something in these times that might be hard, but kind of in a normal situation or as we kind of get back to quote-quote normal, something that will kind of help transition those patients over, I think is really important. From a value perspective, I also think it's important to understand, like you said, kind of what that relationship is, how often the patient has been there, what your relationship is with the doctor. Clearly, if you don't know this person and you don't know their commitment and you don't know what kind of type of practice, or you look at their charts and you know, maybe they're not well organized, you're not kind of certain about them, then I think it makes sense to kind of keep it in that range. But again, the story is really important. Another risk is, like you said, the additional costs. you touched kind of on that, about understanding that when you bring these patients over, what capacity do you have in space? Mm -hmm. And what capacity do you have in actual staff? Making sure you allocate for that. Another thing, there's going to be staff at that office that are not going to have a job any longer if right. you're buying the patient records. So maybe there's an ability to kind of take one of their staff to that would also Definitely. help giving them a job and helping transition those patients over if that's an option and that's something that you're willing to do. Yeah,
1: you know, I know for a buyer, they're always so nervous. It's just like when you buy a practice, it's always how many patients, what's my retention with these patients? And it's like 90 plus percent, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is. It's well, the same way. other in-
0: option? Go spend 50000 on marketing and then. Right. Right. The marketing works. Right. I mean, if you're trying to grow, this is probably the best way to try to grow and get kind of the biggest bang for your buck. Right. If you're smart about it and think about it.
1: So you got this patient, and remember, patients are freaked out about the dentist. You know, so mm-hmm. they've been going to this guy and they have a comfort level and a trust there. But now this guy, the trusted guy is saying to go see young 30-something-year-old Charles the Dentist. This is a no-brainer mm-hmm. because they're going to trust that that person that they've had a relationship for 20 or 30 or who knows, 40 years, they're at least going to give you a shot. And so you've got your opportunity. No, no different than like you said, Chrissy, like your marketing you're gonna go spend twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in a year from a the marketing. There's no guarantee of what type of patient you're gonna get. Are they just shopping? They're just shopping for price. Are they gonna convert? Are they calling and questioning on insurance and fees. So I'd much rather take a patient. I can see what they're paying. Yeah, I can see exactly you what they're paying the for their crown. For what yeah,
0: they need too. Yeah,
1: yeah. And They've already gone next door. They might as well just you know go instead of door A. They can go into the door. Be, but when I put my Keen Waters hat on and I really think about the experience of, you know, 30 something years that Kane Waters has been in existence, and for all those advisors to have been in that situation where they're coaching their client to buy the practice next door, or buy the charts, you know, down the street, it has absolutely been like. I don't know that you can bat a thousand on this, but I'm talking, it's hard to mess this up. It's a really, really good opportunity.
0: Yeah, and then procedures, we've touched on a couple of times. I think it's just important to make sure you can do the procedures sure. that are being done. And that, like you said, you understand the opportunity of what's being referred out. But more importantly, can I do the work that's being done currently on this patient base just to increase chances you're going to be able to retain them?
1: Yeah, and typically these types of practices are absolutely, you know, mo- yeah, most of the like time. The old, yeah, the, yeah. The, the older guy is basically hunting at this stage on all of the complex procedures. They're just there just to, you know, kind of be there. So for the most part, it would be highly, highly unusual. You might get a, you know, a guy that's maybe doing some endo or something that, that you're not or you just don't like to do. But again, this is going to be very, very rare. And again, yeah. this is something you'll pull out in the chart on Something we will do to help push you on and guide you through that process so that we do pay a fair fee for these charts. But most importantly, be able to take your financials and kind of build this potential four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar example onto your practice to show you what that profit margin is so it kind of gets you excited
0: about it. Yeah, I think this, you know, in your example, the seven hundred thousand dollar collection practice that's netting two fifty. I think that a lot of our young buyers who buy practices that from these established older dentists are working with capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Like they buy a practice and their hope is to build it to the million with the space and the staff that they have. I would say I think there's more more practices that have that capacity for growth and bringing on the new procedures than not. Okay, so there will still be the naysayer that will tell us it's risky, so tell me how to mitigate my risk. We agree. When you buy patient records, in my opinion, it's probably rare you're gonna go out and get third-party lending. More likely than not, we see these as seller finance, and they're a little bit outside of the box. So I'm going to pay you a lump sum up front and then walk away. Mm -hmm. The best way to mitigate your risk, if you can kind of get the established doctor to agree to this, is some kind of staggered payments. And you really want them to have a little bit of skin in the game to make sure those patients transition to you. So once we've agreed on a value... Then a portion of that value typically will be paid up front, and then typically a portion will be paid after a certain amount of time has passed, and you've been able to see the retention, and those patients have made appointments and kind of stuck with you. So 12 months, 18 months, somewhere around there, where you may be paying them in staggered payments or a lump sum and then a payment at the end. Thoughts there?
1: So math on that, remember this 400000 collection practice, probably between six to 700 active patients in that range. Let's pay on the high side you know, 150. So basically call it a hundred thousand dollars. And typically when we've done this as well as when a senior doctor is selling them, you know, you maybe looked at it, maybe they try to sell it through like a broker and try to get whatever, 250 or $300,000 for it, but nobody wanted to buy it. Mm-hmm. So now we're just selling the charts. One of the things I'd want to do as well is when I agree to the charts, I'm also going to kind of like throw in all the other stuff that I really, yeah. there, there could be some quality hand pieces or something in the practice. Mm-hmm. It could be for whatever reason, a newer generator than yours, something. There's mm-hmm. probably some value there. So I'll go ahead and throw in a little bit more on the per chart, but let me get some of the small Stuff. value yeah. out of the practice. So in this example, if it's $100,000, what you might see that's common is you might get a buyer that might pull forty, fifty thousand of cash out of it, give it to him, and then have the seller maybe finance the rest like you said because mm-hmm. banks are not usually too excited about just giving you 100 grand yeah. 120 150 unless they know exactly what it is. So in this example we would probably do some type of earn out on that $50,000 balance and just do some type of promissory note that could be like over a 2 year period and then we're measuring the active patients that are actually coming into the practice and I've seen it where it's 125 dollars a chart, but if we get over a certain amount of people that actually come in the practice, it goes up. You know, from there, a little more complicated to kind of measure it. So I'd rather just kind of pay a little bit yeah. more and just be done with this. But there's a lot of flexibility here as far as how it's paid out.
0: Yeah, and I think the really the kind of summation of this topic is it is a transition. It still has all the same components that we talk about that we need to understand and being kind of flexible and understanding what you're buying and how you're buying it, not getting focused on the price. It is a little more simple, though, than a full-on, I'm going to purchase the entire practice. Mm-hmm. You still need legal documents. You still need to negotiate the price, but you're not really needing to understand the cash flows of the practice because a lot of those are not applicable to you anymore, right? Right understanding what types of procedures, kind of that on-the-ground diligence of looking through the chart audits, how to negotiate, how to talk to that seller, or seller how right. to talk to that buyer. Those are all skills and things that we're happy to coach you through. But, you know, it is a transition and it is probably a challenging thing for a seller to do, right? To make the decision that I'm going to close my doors and, or sell these patient records and kind of that's probably for most Maybe not how they anticipated, kind of ending their professional career. So it's still a transition. So it's important to kind of keep that in mind and know that there's important pieces along the way that you can be smart about and diligent and have someone help you through. But then understanding kind of on the flip side what that looks like for the seller.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times you'll hear too that the skeptical buyer may just say, "Well, why would I buy it? I mean, those patients are just going to come to me anyway." Yep. You know, and and there is a chance of that. Mm-hmm. But you know, how long? Yeah. How long is it gonna take? And I'd much rather make a small investment to almost guarantee yeah. that my seven hundred turns to a million, that I can immediately start making the cash and immediately start to budget, you know, what that's gonna be than kind of the hope and, and wait, let's just see and that you know, that's gonna happen. I'm all about the investment getting the return, you know, mm-hmm. today. So there's just again, there's a lot of emotion in those mm-hmm. decisions and, and I think that again, if you can understand your why of layering this type of practice on top and to see, holy crap, I can make that much more and I can do that amount of dentistry with that ease, then I think you're very, very focused. Then that can remove some of that uh, emotion of, are they really going to show up or not? It's it's fun. This was a phone call that I took, I don't know, just... uh, a week or two ago, and uh, we we're just talking about this. And this is the late night uh, text or email, whatever I did to you. Like the, I got another episode for us today. Well, you
0: know what's so funny is the very next day, someone who we're helping buy a practice said, "Hey, have this opportunity to buy these charts too." Yeah, and I was yeah. Like, Okay, one more thing on top of what you're doing. So we, you know, we get it, and hopefully this is helpful. And clearly, if you have questions about your unique situation, call us email us. You know how to reach us. But that's all we have for today. I've got something funny days. I got
1: to share. share so, it. so I won't mention his name, but uh cute guy. It was just like, he's so excited and he's about ready to buy a practice. And he'd actually called Kane Waters and we pushed him over to NDP and, and I got him listening to the podcast. And uh, in two days, he listened to 21 Episodes still so amazing. If <laughs> hey, we're helping, he's, he's so fired up now. He is so fired up. He's already got a deposit in, and he is ready to buy practice.
0: I would be tired of <laughs> listening to my own voice. I am, I but know. I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah, well, but I
1: am excited to see you today, though. Now sometimes. Me too. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I do get tired of your voice, and so I know you get tired of mine. But it's uh, um, been fun today.
0: It has. That's all we got today. Remember to subscribe to Transition Talk on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. And as always, like us on social media. Have a great day until next time friends
1: see you guys